Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello, Snowflakes. Packed show this week. Lots going on. Very exciting, of course. It's all very exciting at the moment, isn't it? It's very exciting. Firstly, we're going to do the news. Then, we spent a very interesting afternoon in the pub, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. With? We were with Tim Martin. Yeah. The Brexiteer boss of Weatherspoons. Yeah, so we will bring you that chat and... Then, myself and Jerry are going to have a little discussion about Anna Subri. Yeah. Poor old Anna. Yeah. She's had a rough week. And then, of course, we will crown the Brexiteer of the week. But firstly, it's been another rough week for old Theresa, hasn't it? It has, yeah. She's yeah. lost two, the government has lost two votes, which seem to make a people's vote more and more likely. It seems, it's looking that way, isn't it? Um, although you wouldn't really know it from, if you've watched Jeremy Corbyn's press conference on Thursday uh, morning, but we'll come to that we'll in get a minute, to shall we? I think the most important one is the um, the amendment which says that if the deal is voted down next Tuesday, we're still saying if, but I think mean, probably yeah, well, when. Yeah, when yeah. Is, uh, Although is, I think, to be fair, you know, it's probably this is probably going to rally a few more to the cause, isn't it? Perhaps. Um, but probably not enough. But not enough, yeah. That she must set out a plan B to Parliament within three sitting days. Now, the plan, plan, uh, the plan previous to that was... Uh, three weeks, I think. So twenty-one days. Twenty-one yeah. days. So three sitting days. So by Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the Happy following days. <laughs> these days are ours. <laughs> by um, by the following Monday, we would expect a Plan B. Yeah. What What would it be? I don't know. Do you think it we could actually be by ask... Dexys Midnight Runners? That's a great track, isn't or... it? Or the um, wannabe Chav Ruffian, Plan B, the rapper. Oh, if they just brought him in. Whatever happened to Plan B? I think he does uh, all kinds of things. I think he's a bit of a... All kinds of odd jobs. Yeah, the odd man with a van. He's up a, <laughs> up a ladder now, is he? I think he's a, I think he's got um, a bit of a little media company that produced... I mean, he produced that film, didn't he? Did he? Which he film? He starred in. I can't remember what it was, was called. Was he in the Sweeney remake, Plan oh, B? Oh, he was. Yeah, he was. He was, but that flopped. He no, did. he did his own film, and it was quite gritty, and it's quite and and it's fairly watchable actually. Oh, really? And it went well, along with my man, manners ill, ill manners. I th- was oh, it called Ill Manners? Yeah, the film. I think so. That's a gr- that's a great song. That it Ill is Man. a good song. Yeah. Yes, I like and his that. first album's really good as well. I was about to say I didn't like Plan B, but I didn't like his like his little soul diversion. 
which he then took. Which well, he, he sort of, I think he sort of did as much solo as he, he should have on du- the first album, and then he sort of duffied it up a bit, didn't he? he, he <laughs> oh God, Duffy, Duffy, that? yeah. Maybe they lived together, Duffy and Plan B. Duffy was like the biggest selling artist of 2006 or something, never to be heard of again. She was, yeah. I think she, you know, got her money and ran. Well, I don't know. She was sort of Adele kind of out duffied her, didn't she? She she Adele look I imagine Adele probably would duff Duffy up. Well she's she could good at the singing as well, which Duffy not you know so. not so not so much, was she? Not so good. Anyway Adele hates it when people record her on their mobile phones at her concerts. Does she? Well whereas I think if you're paying hundred quid to watch Adele and yeah. you wanna record it, I don't record gigs when I go and see him. No. But if you wanna, you should be able to do that. But Adele doesn't like it. She like she stops shows and tells people off. Does she? She says, "Just experience it." Oh, yeah, just experience it. I've got to say, I've got a soft spot for Adele. I like Adele. I just uh, not her music. Well, I don't mind her music. Well, she's, every time I see her interviewed, she seems like a lovely young woman. Lots of fun, but I think if you want to record her on your phone, you should be able to. Well, that's coming out of her house, frankly, or even through her windows. Well, I, I think that know. might be illegal. Don't do that, listener. Yeah. Don't, don't do surround that. her with high visibility jackets. Don't do that. Um, it's a bad idea. Please don't do that. Well, you'd, um, have, you'd have Macron after you as well. You would. <laughs> <laughs> you get into all kinds of trouble on both sides of the channel. <laughs> so, people have complained in the past that this podcast is too rambly, by the way, but I think it's completely, you know, we're on point <laughs> once that's again. That's what we do. This is, this is it. Um, so, she's either going to come out with Plan B... <clears throat> Or she's going to sing Plan B by Dex's Midnight Runners. Yeah. I don't know any other Plan Bs. Are there any other Plan Bs? Well, there's a production company, a Hollywood production company, owned by Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston called Plan B. Owned by Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston? <laughs> Boy meetings must be fun. That's right. <laughs> I imagine that the, they are financial backers rather than... Rather than, yeah. Sat next to each other nine to five money to Giving each other notes. <laughs> Hey, well, he should have just stuck with Jen. He, he should have done, yeah, yeah, definitely. His head turned. A lot of people say yeah, I've got a passing resemblance to uh, Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the legs. Uh, so Theresa May is in a bit of bother here, but no more bother than she's already been in. Well, they've sort of they've sort of taken away her can kicking superpower, haven't they? That's this is the it's the it's this is. Can kicking kryptonite. That's the thing. They've she... hung a, a green kryptonite can round her round her neck, like when they when they uh, the, the yeah. General Zod yeah. and that yeah. put, yeah. put it on, you know the old kryptonite necklace on Superman. I'm pretty sure we've discussed Superman doing too. Zod on the front of the New European before. Neil before Zod. <laughs> he was great. Terence Stamp was great, wasn't he? Very good. Very the good. Other, the other guy, you know, not as much. Who was the other guy? He was the super strong one who was a bit of a meathead, wasn't he? Oh, the meathead? No, I'm, I meant the, the other General Zod, who was oh, the, no, no. the guy from uh, Boardwalk Empire. Michael Shannon, yeah, of course. Right. Anyway, Theresa May's in bother. She can't kick the can, it seems, yeah. much further than a week on Monday. No. It's all, this, is, this is all coming to a head now, isn't it? This, this is it. Crunch time. Yeah. <laughs> We've said that a few times before. Yeah, well, yeah. To be fair. Is there any way that she can get through it? Is there anything she can do that that would get her deal through Parliament as it stands right now? Well, I mean, it's so many people to win over, isn't it? Mm. It is so many people, and I and I just don't think it. Remainers. I just don't think leavers, it can be done. The EU. Yeah. Her own cabinet. At this stage, I imagine even Philip's going to Theresa. It's not going to work this deal. <laughs> yes, and it's almost. 
you know, can she possibly delay it a little bit longer? I don't really know how she can now. I'm not really sure that she can. Um, so it would it would appear that the, the, the next few days, you know, by the next time we, we all sit down together, new European podcast listener, you know, we, we, we could be on the way to... Well, we could we could have extended Article Fifty, which now seems to me to be, um, and, and these are things that I never thought would be possible when we started doing the New European newspaper. When we when we had the idea for it the day after the referendum, and and then we we did the website, and then we started doing this podcast, you know, so long ago now, and um, and I really did not think that these days would come to pass, and and, and that they have is is clearly it's a tribute to. To, to all of you out there for, for you know making your views known and I'd, I'd like to think that we deserve a tiny bit of credit for just sticking around and opposing uh, this thing but sticking it, at it but it really is about the you know the the complete implosion of Theresa May's government and you know if she hadn't called that general election mm-hmm. what would have happened would they have been able to get it through probably they would you know yeah, yeah. anyway yeah, th- I mean, things would have been very, very different. And at, and at some point, when we sit down to write our book, we should write a book together. Yeah. The unofficial history yeah, yeah, of yeah. how Brexit was won. But of by, yes, by exactly. the New European podcast. Well, but, <laughs> yes, that's right, yeah. Um, but of course, now we'd be saying, well, what about... If she hadn't called the general election, we'd be saying, well, what about next year's general election? What's that going to... You yeah. know, well, how, how's that going to play out? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a beautiful bit of segue, as we call it in the business... To Jeremy. Well, let's talk. Let's deal with Article Fifty being possibly extended or not, because well, we've been saying that that should be the case for a long time. Well, exactly, yeah. And do you know, have you seen what the unexpected benefit of this is? Go on. Well, Andrea Ledsom has told friends that she's the as, as the the sort of the leader of the house. Mm-hmm. She's responsible for tabling any yeah. legislation, yeah. isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. And she she is. Andrea Ledsom has told friends that if she was asked to table the legislation to extend Article 50, um, she would refuse, and Theresa May would have to sack her. So, oh, so win you. <laughs> so we probably saw that out this afternoon. Win, 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 isn't yeah. it? Led some for leader. Led some for leader. And, it was, I mean, it's, it's really upset Nigel Farage and, and Julia Hartley Brewer as well. So, so I mean, it's, it's win, 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 win. So much winning as a, a wise man. We should so. probably touch on, actually, before we get into Jeremy Corbyn, I was rushing ahead of myself there. Yeah, you the were. The speaker. The speaker. So I thought he actually made... Listen, I'm no great fan of, um, of the speaker, of Mr Burkow. Yeah. Um, oh, you've gone Burkow. I like it. Bur- Burko. Burko? Sergeant Burko? That's I go Burko. What do you call him? I go Burko. Burkow? But you Burkow. went Burkow. Oh, I've never thought about it before. Well, I don't know. I've always gone Burko, but... I remember when I was working at the Evening Standard and we got the pictures back Burkow. of, uh, of, he, of his missus wrapped in a bed sheet. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we went, what? Get it on page three. Sally. Yeah, Sally. So, John Burko, Burkow, uh, came under a lot of flack um, from the... From the Tories, who are not great fans of his, even mm. though he's a Tory, because he broke with parliamentary precedent. I was going to say broke wind. <laughs> well, we, well, he, he must do. I mean, at some point, well, he, he sat there to. all day long, he has to, you know, just a little... I mean, he has to. It's just a physical impossibility for him not to. Does he wear a little frock coat? Would you see one of the little bits flapping? 
Maybe. Wouldn't that be good, wouldn't so it? So I used to know one of his um, assistants. Okay. He used to have to carry his coat at the back. and Yeah, he does wear a little frock coat, doesn't he? It's a kind of, it's kind of tabardy thing, isn't yeah. it? It's a strange... I, I went to an event in his uh, in the speaker's flat. It's very nice. Is it? Yeah, very nice. And he's a perfectly pleasant chap, actually. Was that where the photo of Sally Burko yeah, was right. taken? It was, yeah. Not, that wasn't, I wasn't at that event. You weren't at the yeah. I wasn't at that event. It was a different charity event. But of course, um, she's been in the news, hasn't she? And because somebody got up and said, "Well, what about your car, which has got a bollocks to Brexit sticker in it?" And he said, "It's my wife's car." And he said, "You wouldn't. I hope you're not insinuating that she's my chattel." <laughs> and that's the end of the matter. He said, "Calm yourself, Mister Anglesey. Take some medication if you feel the need." He's great, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, he's, I think, I mean, I love the so fact that, I love he? the fact that he riles so many people. Exactly. Right? That, I like people that rile people, and he certainly does. But on this particular um, uh, issue, I think he made a very good point when he said, well, yes, you know, we have precedent, and, and this is perhaps a, a slight break from that. But if we were to carry on being ruled by precedent, just because it's precedent doesn't mean it's right. And in this instance... I mean, yes, I think we all know that he's a Remainer, but what what is the argument for not having this vote, for not having the amendment tabled? Well, I can't really see that there, there is isn't one. one. No, there isn't one. Not on, not on something as you know as as life changing for it, for sixty six million people yes. as this. It should be properly debated. I don't, you know, I think the constitutional argument is going to it, it has already fallen by the wayside, hasn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, and and now the. Uh, uh, I tell you what it has done though is that it, it has sort of you know it's opened the door to people like Nigel Farage talking about you know attempting to in the nicest possible way to suggest that people might start demonstrating outside the Houses of Parliament and people uh, and the Daily Telegraph suggesting that people might start paying their council tax in pennies and mm. stuff like that mm. that there might be a some kind of quiet and civilized. Uh, middle class revolt against, well, I'm against for, Parliament. I'm all for a bit of, uh, you know, quiet middle class revolt. I like middle class revolt by the fall, that's good. But um, but I, I think in, in this instance it would be uncalled for. Yes, definitely. There was, of so course. Burko Burkow. Burkow Burko. Burkow? Burkow? Burkow. Baku, Baku, Mercy, Mercy Burko, yeah, like which is what how um, Macron calls him. It's good, isn't yeah, it? It's yeah. very good. So whatever yeah, his flipping whatever name, whatever his is, name is, I once went into the to the um, the uh, I think it's called the Cardinal Pub, just round the back of Westminster, the Cardinal, uh, yeah. and he was in there at the bar with his legs little legs swinging. Oh, he was on a bar stool. On a bar stool. Isn't it funny when you see people like, uh, yeah. On a bar stool, reading the New Statesman. Right, as you would do. End of my story. I've always got one. We've done Gwynny recently. I think we did uh, Gallagher last week. Burku. John Burku this week. I went to to the um, Longchamp once where they race and train racehorses. And we had a look round the, the sort of the... You know the stables and everything, and look around the track, and uh-huh. uh, and then we went to a bar, uh-huh. 
uh, for lunch and the bar was entirely full of jockeys of <laughs> uh, and it was a huge long bar and there were very very high stools uh, with you know little steps on them. You might have thought about that and, they, they and jockeys all just sat, was just sat at the bar with their little legs swinging it was really <laughs> like, a, like a, a set of ventriloquist dummies it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen anyway for Cobo Cow so he's, I mean, there was talk um, during the uh, during the debate and while he was being attacked on, and there'd been a move towards ousting the speaker, wasn't there? There was, yes. Um, that sort of calmed down, and I think that's probably unlikely. We've got enough to worry about, haven't we, really? I'm sure there'll be some kind of season of revenge for Brexit, won't there? I think that, you know, I think that um, Mr. Burku, I can't say it now, Burkow, yeah. I'm just going to stick with what I always call him, Mr Burkow, I think his days probably are numbered. I think so, yeah, I think somebody's got it in for him, and he probably has had enough by now anyway, hasn't well, I don't he? know if he has, but I think probably his time has come. Well, yes, but I think he'll. I think he's going to try and see this through as much as possible, isn't it? We've nothing to worry about, of course, all the things that we've just spoken about are completely immaterial, because... Yes. Jeremy Corbyn's been up in, in oh, yeah, near to has, my old yeah. manor in Wakefield, yeah, just yeah, down yeah. the road from Huddersfield... And uh, it's all sorted because yeah. he said, and he hasn't said this before, but he said, never once has he mentioned this, the most practical and democratic way to break the deadlock in Parliament over Brexit is easy. Well, it's not. Hang on. Yeah? What is it? General election. Oh, well, Why didn't we this, think of that? I only said this before. Why isn't he, Theresa, the opposition want a general election? Shock, horror. Oh, well, we'll give him one then. I mean, he bangs on and on and on and on and on and on and on about this, and it's no surprise that the opposition won a general election. Now, I've got a few questions for you. Is there going to be a general election? Just yes or no? Uh, I mean, I'm going to take in the next real... year. In the next year? Well, I don't know. All right, before Brexit. No, there is not going to be a general election. If Labour do um, call a motion of no confidence... If Labour do call a motion of no confidence next week... Um, as um, as they seem to be moving towards uh, uh, on Wednesday, and then I thought Corbyn sort of backed away from it a, a little bit, didn't he? He said, "Well, we'll 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 do it at the position that we think that's got the most chance of winning." Which yeah, Mad Barry Gardner was on the oh. program earlier this week saying they're definitely going to do it. Well, uh, yeah, but Mad, Mad Barry Gardner, you know, I, mean, I don't know why they let him out. Do you know what I mean? It's thin pickings. It really is. Um, but yes, he, he did say this, and, and now he is once again can-kicking. He he's said, the new can-kicker, isn't he? Let's, because let's quote him from, from Wakefield in his speech. He live said, from Wakefield. Live from Wakefield, Jeremy Corbyn. If the government cannot pass its most important legislation, then there must be a general election at the earliest opportunity. That's just his opinion. Yeah, the, the, well, they the mustn't, really. Yeah. And, you know, when Huddersfield Town play this weekend, they must score 10 goals and win the rest of their remaining Premier League games. Well, that's, yeah. It's that's about good. as likely. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and once again, what he didn't say was what we, what we want him to say, which was, if the government loses this vote, which they will, we should set in motion uh, a path to holding a second referendum, which that's is the... Which is the will of the the members, and and he did he did sort of mention it once again. He said, "Oh, if it loses, and then we don't get a general election, and then all of this, you know, we'll it, we'll, we'll consider all of our options, we'll keep all our options open, and then sort of mumbled, and one of them might be another vote." Um, but really, he was sort of re, you know he was he was sort of reducing the will of the members to an item low down on the kids menu. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it was, yeah. It, it, Again, it does feel like that absolutely. Um, and I think you know we we just shouldn't be shocked by it anymore. But it, it, equally, it is 
um, it, it is problematic and and, and just it makes you want to scream, doesn't it? Yeah, I, you it mentioned does. this particular quote from it because I know you watched the speech. It's the failed system rigged against the many to protect the interests of the few that is the real cause of inequality and insecurity, whether in Tottenham or Mansfield. What's he, what's he mean? Well, he seemed to be suggesting to... I mean, I think Labour is spinning that this is a... Or some, some people from Labour are spinning that this is a message to leave voters that they, that they actually have something in common with yeah. Remain voters, yeah. and Remain voters are not all... Uh, are not all metropolitan elites like you like, and me. Yeah, like us, exactly. Uh, uh, as we, um, do you uh, pass the foie gras over, will you, for a second? No, this um, is my foie gras. I'll just, uh, well, <laughs> all right. Well, if you don't want this Montrachet, then anyway. But he's he's suggesting that uh, the people in Mansfield have a great deal uh, in common with people from Tottenham, and and, and and of course they do, and they all, they've also got a great deal in common with metropolitan elitists yeah. like you and me, and uh, and and, uh, and all people. We've all got a great deal in common. It's a very um, strange path to. to he he seems to be. Hinting, I mean, people are reading the runes over this, and that they are suggesting that what he wants to do is to establish to leave voters that a customs union, as he continues to call it, is not necessarily a bad thing. And is this softening them up in some way for saying, let's just stay in a customs union, in the customs union, effectively, and we will accept some. Well, we will accept free movement of people, but what we will do is what we've not been doing, which yeah. all the other EU countries do, especially countries like Belgium, which is say, we will have free movement of people. However, when you come in the country, you will have to register, and then in three months' time, you will have to turn up at this place and prove that you have got a means of support, and if you don't do that, then you will have to leave the country. I don't mean to be picky, but it sounds kind of similar to the current that's the current arrangement rules. isn't it yeah yeah right which okay. we just don't hmm. seek to inform hmm. interesting um, but there you go so what people in mansfield make of that i don't know i thought you've been to mansfield yeah i've been to watch mansfield i've been I've to been watch to football, uh, though, yeah. city at mansfield town i think and yeah. i've been to watch mansfield town for a job yeah. Well, Keith Curl was the ex-city ledge keith Curl was the manager yeah yeah okay well mansfield's lovely tottenham tottenham there a few times yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there to watch Man City win and lose. All, all nice places. Unite. Very nice places. Unite. Coming together. <laughs> Come together. Under Jeremy Corbyn. Um, so it was. It's also being spun as Jeremy Corbyn not backing away from the people's vote. Yeah. Well, you could spin it as him not backing it as well. Though, yeah. Well, you, well, you could. Mean, but just mentioning it in I'm passing dizzy all is not. Um, are you? Are you Vic <sighs> Reeves? Or Tommy, oh, good. Or Tommy Rowe? Very good. For older listeners. Um. Um, anyway, anyway, I was dizzy the other afternoon as well. Yes, because well, dizzy I'll in let, the company of I'll let you have a star. <laughs> I'll let you explain. We we ventured, didn't we, out of the office, out of the comfort of we our. Did. We rarely get out of our. We rarely get out of our office, but we couldn't ignore. Yes, the chance to see one of the country's finest public speakers. Yes, and brightest Brexit brains. Yes. So Brexiteer, I mean, the Brexiteer of the Week, which we'll come to later on in, in the podcast, Tim Martin, who is the boss of Weatherspoons, has been has featured in this heavily, oh, heavily. Um, over the, the, the past few years. He's been a um, figure of fun for us, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I find him uh, vaguely exasperating. Yeah. His grasp of the realities of Brexit is tenuous at best. Yeah. 
Um, there's something a little self-serving in the way he picks and chooses stuff. There certainly is. Uh, that he likes and dislikes about Brexit. Um, some things that he says are a bit mendacious, I think. I thought you were going to say mad. Uh, his hair is magnificent. He's got hair. Really hair. magnificent. Hair respects hair, and we've both got good hair. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, well, maybe not good, just lots. Uh, a lot of the reason I've got lots of hair, and you've got good hair. Um, and um, and I also don't really like Weatherspoon's pubs very much. No. Um, and I don't like them for a couple of reasons. Uh, I, well, if, more than a couple of reasons. I don't like the fact that they're open so early in the morning, right. which I think encourages problem drinking. Although, you see, that's, that's my sort of favourite bit about them but yes yeah 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 um uh i don't like the fact that they're they uh, are able to do so much loss leading which they clearly make back on food yeah uh and so they they um you know it's they, a challenge for pubs close they, by it's a huge challenge for for pubs close by. i mean i, I did off we um, in a minute i'm going to play you the interview that steve did with tim we had a little bit of time to chat you spoke to him, to him didn't I, you? Yeah. I, I spoke to him and i asked him about those two points i'm not particularly brexit yes. related but just so you bring them up we might as well we might as well uh, cross them off his view is that people aren't going out and getting wasted at nine o'clock in the morning he used the example of he was in um, Liverpool Street uh, station uh, where this one's not one that I've been in actually because there's a perfectly good nice other pub in Liverpool Street station which I recommend um, and he said he said to the manager oh, I didn't expect people were going to be in here at 9am having a sesh and the manager said oh they're the police they're just off their shift I don't know. I don't know how true that is. <laughs> how true that is. But, you know, there was a famous pub in London that catered for overnight workers, wasn't there, over in Smithfields Market? There was, I think. yes. And in Covent Garden, the old Covent Garden Market as yeah. well, yeah. But um, anyway, maybe that's true. Don't know. He, his response to, are you putting other pubs out of business, was no. We don't show the football. We don't play music. Yeah. Other pubs can do that. I mean, there's a, that is a fair point. He also said... Those are also really expensive things for pubs to do, Exactly, aren't they? yeah. Um, and he also said, you know, we don't want to put other pubs out yeah. of business. We do better around other pubs. But yeah. he, he would say I that. mean, he, he also said, didn't he, that the vast majority of pubs that are closing are... Con- Pubs that are outside of the city centre, Correct, yeah. whereas Weatherspoon's pubs are in city centres. Yeah, and well, there is centers. some truth in that. There is. You know, anyone who lives in or goes into, regularly goes into a city centre, knows that city centre pubs uh, close all the time. So, yeah. Anyway, back to Brexit. You quiz him about that. Let's have a listen. Well, he's on a nationwide tour, isn't he? So, he's on a nationwide tour. I disagree with everything that he says. Um, Tim Martin. I've got to say that I found he's, you know, the, the fact that he's on a nationwide tour where he's getting a fairly rough ride, isn't he? Um, yeah, well, we'll talk about that after we listen to this interview. Yeah, I found it reasonably courageous. I brought a copy for you, uh, oh, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. I think I've seen Have you seen it? It's there for you. I've seen it quoted online. But I thought, you know, I think that was it's incredibly courageous to face up to. Mm. Clearly, you knew that people of my ilk would be there as well as people of your ilk. Yeah. Are you surprised by the level of dissent that you've encountered? And do you, and do you do you wonder do you worry slightly that your support for this kind of damages the Weatherspoons brand with some people? I think most people are pretty fair and they accept the. They accept the principle of debate and they know uh, that a lot of businesses have not put their heads much over the parapet, but they've signed letters supporting Remain. Yeah. And they know about Michael O'Leary. Whenever you say that, people go, okay, fair comment, argument one, because he's so vociferously pro Remain. 
Um, uh, I don't think I'm surprised at the level of, uh, of emotion because of the fact that it's such an emotional issue. It's where you're ruled from, who governs you. And over the centuries, nothing has invoked uh, the emotions of humanity as much as that question. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm, pre I'm pleased when it's quite civil because I think that's a good, a good thing. But I'm also pleased that people ask, ask questions and it's, uh, I think it makes me think about things and hopefully some of the things I say to them make them think as well. Well, of course, yeah. How was that on the civil meter? That was pretty civil, actually. What, was, so, what's been the least? What's been less civil than that? I, I had one in Manchester. You can see in the Manchester Evening News where I was taken aback slightly by uh, by uh, by some of the comments. But in the end, there, uh, there's no point in me getting cross, uh, and I can only I can't tell people what to say or do. Uh, it's a democracy. If they want to, in a way, it's a, gr a great thing that people are. And making it fail. I think people probably have less sympathy if it's a concerted campaign to interrupt, prevent someone from speaking. You get sometimes you get a bit of that, but overall, I've had a, I've had a good, uh, a good innings. Good. Just on, on something that you said down there, and then you, you, you said again here, and you talk about tariffs a lot. And mm. now, I, I don't know whether I'm missing something, but. Spanish oranges, you mentioned oranges, Spanish yeah. oranges we don't pay any tariffs on, Brazilian no. oranges out of season when the Spanish can't mm. deliver them, we don't pay any tariffs on that. New Zealand wine and Australian wine you mentioned, but the tariff is tiny and it's like 9p a bottle. Yeah. Rice, the massive, the major producers of importers of rice, we don't pay any uh, well, any tariffs on that. So, so am I missing something or is it yeah, less think, important than you say? I think you're missing a bit in that um, it's a tariff system of Byzantine complexity, and you're right, because I went up and looked about uh, uh, Bangladeshi rice, someone asked me about, and basmati rice. Basmati rice. There's 10 pages just on, I think, Bangladeshi rice. Basmati rice is uh, uh, free of tariffs, but uh, it's something husk rice from, uh, from uh, Bangladesh does have tariffs, but on a reducing level to 2020, I think, unless I've mistaken that with oranges. So it's Byzantine complexity. And, and, and uh, the tariffs on oranges from Florida uh, and other countries um, went up from 4% to 16% a couple of years ago. So it's a, it's a moving feast of complex systems. And the purpose of it is uh, protectionism, mostly. And uh, if I think free trade, as the Aussie High Commissioner, who's now retiring, said, never made anyone poorer. When you start to have all sorts of complex tariffs, I think a lot of people say, forget it, it's just too complex. I think there's a huge prize for the UK to sweep them all away, or certainly sweep them all away on things we don't produce to, as a start, and say we're a free trading nation like Hong Kong, Singapore, okay. we're an island to... New Zealand, Australia, Canada, and I think there'll be it will lead to more investment. Well, this probably answers my my sort of follow up on that, which is that if you if we left and you said there'd be no, we'll have, impose no tariffs, no import tariffs on things that we import. What would what would stop all these lovely UK producers that you you know you, you've, I'm enjoying a, a pint of a British beer here. Mm -hmm. What would stop you importing lots and lots of cheap beer from all around the world and, and dropping those UK well, producers? 
as a, as a businessman, you know? Yeah, well, yes, or as a consumer, more yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, I think that um, a lot of the stuff that's imported now from the New Zealand wine example already has a tariff. So if you eliminate the tariffs on, on those things, on the, on the bananas, oranges, etc., and they aren't, as you say, on every single orange that comes into the country, uh, then uh, prices go down in the shops. You can argue that you should uh, prevent imports through tariffs and quotas on things you produce. I'm not sure in the end how beneficial that is. New Zealand, for example, swept away import tariffs on um, food, which it's a big producer of, and its economy has, uh, has thrived. So it, it, trading behind tariffs is dangerous for the producers themselves, because if you can't trade against um, foreign producers, you may not, uh, and someone removes the tariffs, you may, you're in a precarious position. So but clearly, allowing people to flood the market with stuff that is cheaper than stuff that you could produce here would be dangerous for all the local, you know, all these great start-up breweries that you're having here. I don't think that they would be seriously uh, jeopardised in those particular circumstances. You can buy the New York Times here, and you can buy... Was it Die Welt? I don't know how Die you Welt. pronounce it. Yeah. And uh, Parry Match, etc. Newspapers aren't protected. I don't think you'd be better off if you were, <laughs> actually. But your you, newspapers have got the most incredible competition from the internet, which is which is really tough. Now that is really, that is really, really tough. And just lastly, I mean, so obviously I voted to to stay as many people did and my path through this has been deep depression and that's why we did the newspaper and mm. my depression is now lifting and, right. and, it, uh, and I, it looks now I mean especially with what's happened in the House of Commons today that you know we, there might be a second referendum and there might be a way out of this have you had the same path did you start out euphoric on the 24th of June 2016 and now you're in a I used to play a lot of squash. It was my ambition to be a great player, but it never worked out. But the number one player in the world when I was around was uh, Jeff Hunt, an Aussie guy. And I remember reading Rex Bellamy writing about him in the Times, and he said he never, if he plays really well, he never gets elated. If he plays badly, he never gets depressed. So I try, you got to try and keep your emotions on the flat if you can. I walk a lot. I think that helps. <laughs> what do you think will happen? A lot of people think that because I'm doing a bit of campaigning, I have some inside track on what will happen, but I always say no one predicted Theresa May being Prime Minister, nor Jeremy Corbyn being Leader of the Opposition. I think it's very unknowable. Yeah. So, that was Tim and you chatting. Yes. How, how did you find him? I don't think we need to have a forensic um, review of the interview so much, but uh, because the listener can make up their own mind. But how, how did you find him? Were you expecting him to be more bolshy, or because we didn't actually tell him we were going to go along, did we? No, we just turned up. We just turned up. So, what, fair play to him for doing it. So, fair play to him. As I said before, you know, I think he's he is very courageous to stand up in his series of pubs and to defend what he's saying, especially armed with quite a 
you know, a loose grip of, of reality. Yeah, and not just um, that. I mean, there are. I mean, it, so we watched the, the speech as well, and there was. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it's not really a speech it's to be honest. Speech, it's just he's no. just him rambling on, a bit like this podcast. Yeah, but um, it could with be a, a different point of view. Yeah, he could be a regular <laughs> feature. He's probably too direct. <clears throat> and. But the, the other thing is, there's a very mixed crowd. Not a very mixed crowd. There is a mixed crowd. So I think in we were in the in the Bell Inn in Norwich. There was perhaps eighty five hundred people there. I would say, yep. and maybe four or five vocal remainers. I'm mm. sure there were lots more were. who weren't vocal, but there were four or five really quite vocal remainers who, were, you know, not always the politest. They were butting in and they were doing that, which is fine. You know, this is debate. Yeah. I've got a problem with that. How do you think he deal with those people? Um, I thought he dealt with them reasonably well because on numerous occasions he went, well, maybe you've got a point and, yeah. and maybe I haven't really read about it and I'll have to read up about this a bit more. And it was, I mean, that's, a, that's worrying for him to say that, but equally he could have quite easily turned, because there was also a very vocal mob of, of Brexiteers, he could have quite easily turned those people on them. He yes, didn't he do could. that, and did he? he? And, I mean, he refused, and he refused to do that. You know, so, so while I don't, admire the the things that he says and and, and I'm slightly mystified uh, about his uh, his enormous profile and the ease with which he he gets to say things relatively unchallenged on the today program uh-huh. say I mean obviously when he appears he appears on question time quite regularly yeah, does, yeah. and is challenged yeah. um, uh, but he commands a you know he commands a certain popularity he, he dealt with it well I think we, when we spoke to him, we we knew that we wouldn't um, take the Paxman approach of who is this lying bastard and why yeah, is he lying no point, to us. No point, There's no point in doing no, it. No. Um, I, I didn't. I don't see any need to be rude to him. I'm rude to him in print every week, and, yeah, yeah. and, and apparently he's aware of that. And he went yeah. away happily with some copies of the New European tucked under his arm. He did, um, which I have to say is more than you'll remember if you've been a, an avid listener of this pod. Uh, about a year ago, we interviewed Jeremy Corbyn on the pod. He refused to take a copy of the New European away. He did, yeah. He refused to pose with a copy of the New European yeah. and, and he refused to take it yeah. away um, with him. But um, not Tim. No. He is, he, is, he is happy and ready to have a debate with someone he doesn't agree with and he doesn't have to have a shouting match with them. But you can tell by his answers, can't you, that it is... He's not learning. It, it's, general, <laughs> it's general waffle, isn't it? You yeah. know, the, 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 when, we sp- when we speak to him about the... The untrue things that he says about tariffs, and and again, I don't, I don't want to jump in. You know, he 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 made this, he made these speeches. People continually, it remains continually interrupted him, and it felt right in that forum because yeah. to challenge him. But in a one-to-one basis, there's there's no point. I, I in think doing it that. was Otherwise, a case of you would have heard a thirty-second interview with him, and then he would have said, "There's no point in doing this." Yeah. So so that's why we we sort of let him talk. But when he says. You know, when he says to me, well, I think you have missed the point here, and then goes on to talk about something completely different, um, then, you know, I, I think it, it's quite exposing of him. But, you know, fair play to him for standing up for what he believes. He's, he's you know, he's regularly owned, uh, as far as I can see, yeah, by yeah, Remainers yeah. and uh, on this tour that he's going on. Um, and you can hear from his views at the end that he clearly thinks that this Brexit that he and his mates have worked all their lives for um, and, uh, and and have wanted and have invested so much in, and he's invested, you know, a great deal yeah, in, yeah. in this. And no matter what he says... Time you and know, money. Time and money. And, you know, listen, it's turning... A, it, this is turning an entire generation of people 
you know, I, I, all my friends' kids all go to Weatherspoons, but it's turning young people off Weatherspoons, isn't it? Mm. All this quite clearly, mm. despite what he says. So he's invested time and money into this, and he can see that it is end, going to end badly. For I thought him. that was the really telling moment. Yes, actually. it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there we go, Tim. Thanks for your time. We don't agree with you, but thanks. No, um, but for that. you know. You're always more than welcome to come back on the pod. Absolutely, and and you know, and thanks for for for, for letting us do it. And you know, you've you've heard. We, we always give people who are on the other side from us a, a a fair hearing, even if we disagree with them. Absolutely. Next, we're going to talk about some people who don't want anyone to have a fair hearing outside Parliament. But first, Steve, before we get to Jerry, I need to talk to you about something that's very exciting. I need to talk to you about Blinkist. In today's age, it can be hard to find the time to sit down and learn more. It's not easy when the likes of social media can be so addictive. I can see you looking at your social media right now. I am. It's time-consuming. You can't even concentrate on this. No. So you may think you don't have the time to read a book or to develop yourself, Steve. I haven't. But there's an app. There is an app. I can highly recommend it. And I'm going to delve into it further this week, and we're going to talk about it next week. There's an app I recommend. It's called... Blinkist. Blinkist. Yeah, Blinkist. So Blinkist is the only app that takes the key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes. So imagine, Steve, you can read or listen to all these great non-fiction books you've never had time to read. You can pretend to be clever. What? Well, you don't even need to pretend to because you will be clever. <laughs> I'll be nearly clever. It's made by busy people, just like us, who want to get the main points of the books quickly without reading the entire book. With an audio feature, Blinkist makes it so easy to finish four books a day while you're on the go. That's amazing. And it gets even better. Sure. Because you, listener, as a listener of the New European Podcast, can try it out. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer. Go to Blinkist.com slash TNE to start your free, free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com forward slash TNE to start your free seven-day trial. Go and do it. I'm definitely going to do it right away. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back, Jerry. He's with us, Jerry. Hey. Have you been on the pod since New Year? I think you have. I don't have, think I have. No. Well, Happy New Year. Welcome to 2019. Are you allowed? How? When do you stop saying Happy New Year to people? Is that okay? I think it's okay as long if as you it's not the first time them. you've seen them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I have seen you, but I haven't seen you in the pod sphere. No. So Happy New Year. It's not been such. It's been a bit of an ugly week outside Parliament, hasn't it? To be honest, we're, we're going to chat, listener, about um, some of the abuse that Anna Subri got. And and others, um, and it's been building towards this for some time, really. And uh, College Green is the part the part of land which is public land outside Parliament. It's off the estate, um, and the broadcasters and journalists tend to gather there when something big happens. But you know, in years gone by, it would be general elections or some really major. They've been there now for weeks. Yeah, camped out, aren't uh, they? Since Brexit, and it has attracted 
uh, Remainers mm-hmm. as well as Brexiteers. There are lots of placards, lots of protests. There's a great history in this country of peaceful protest and not so peaceful protest. Um, but that is something we wouldn't want to outlaw. But Anna Subri seems can't even cross the road without getting some really rather vile treatment from these people. Can you explain, Jerry, exactly what happened? It was Monday, yeah. I think, when it came to the to Yeah, the so she was on the BBC, wasn't she? She was talking to Simon McCoy. And um, basically, in the background, there were some... Uh, some people in uh, yellow jackets and some yellow high vis jackets shouting out that she was that she was a Nazi and um, and that kind of stuff. You know, she didn't interrupt on the interview actually and say that she does you know object to being called a Nazi. Funnily enough, um, but then it kind of continued as she as she you know tried to make her way into into Parliament and it was horrible to watch. You know, you watch that video back and it is threatening and intimidating. There was. Something similar happened to Owen Jones, who I know is not a fan of this podcast, but <laughs> obviously, you know, still shouldn't be subject to that horrible, horrible abuse. Um, I, I thought it was, um, you know, it's we, we're used to this on Twitter. If you spend a lot of time on Twitter, as mm. I do, and yeah. lots of journalists do and yeah. lots of politicians do, you will know that as soon as you kind of stick your head above the parapet and have an opinion, or maybe not even an opinion, but publish something that people might disagree with or just anything or anything <laughs> these days yeah um you're kind of often subjected to a torrent of abuse from faceless accounts calling you a nazi and calling you all sorts of things and this now seems to have spilled over into the real world well i i agree with you completely i think that this is a, a, a politics has been conducted now since i think the actually with no blame attached but i think the obama campaign of 2008 was was a real turning point for how uh, politics could exist on social media. It was the um, Twitter was was brand new, really, and mm-hmm. really came to the forefront. And in fact, Obama followed us all, including myself. Um, and I'm sure he still reads my tweets. Yes, you've never mentioned that before. <laughs> no, no, that's my, one of my favourite things. Um, and and I, but since then, political debate has, has been played out on Twitter at, at such a, a vitriolic level mm-hmm. that it seems that some people seem to think that it's acceptable. It's not. My personal view is it's not acceptable to do that on Twitter. No, no, absolutely People not. People now seem to think it's acceptable to do it in the streets of our nation's capital. I don't think it's acceptable at all on Twitter either, but I suppose there is the argument there that, you know, you're not faced with a um, essentially physical threat, but, you know, potentially right in front of you. And it's just, there's a complete loss of civility, isn't it? It just shows again how polarising Brexit is for yeah. for our society. But it also seems to have uh, emboldened... These are football hooligans. Yeah. I mean, if you were to hear the chants and stuff, it sounded like a football crowd. And they're proud of it as well. The clips that we're saying are disgusting are being shared on Facebook, on Twitter, on social media to then fuel that fervour, you know, outrage and the, the kind of trolling that they're doing. So... I mean, clearly Anna Subri's not a Nazi. I, I, I mean, that Godwin's law about any political argument, if you call someone a Nazi, you've lost, mm-hmm. I think, plays here. Clearly not a Nazi. Clearly not a fascist. You may not agree with her. We've played out a full interview with Tim Martin during this podcast, which you will have heard if you've got this far. But we're not going to call him a Nazi or a fascist because he's neither of those things. No. Just because you disagree with someone doesn't mean you can call him a Nazi or a fascist. So fascist. So stop that, firstly. Well, but it's secondly, insane, it was it? More, it's more than that, isn't it? It was the intimidating way that she, she was jostled yeah. as she came over the road, that she's followed, that she's shouted at at close quarters. This is more than just 
Ear Corbin, you're a Wally from the back of a crowd. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the same, it's in the same line. It's worse, but it's in the same vein as, you know, these words traitors, saboteurs, the enemy that are yeah. used to describe people yeah. who are saying Brexit is a bad idea Certainly and it's not, not going well or criticising it. It's, I think it's really dangerous. We can't start labelling people as traitors or the enemy because it does make them targets for political violence. And I know it's an example lots of people have used in the last few days. But we did have an MP murdered, yeah. just you know, for by someone who was using this kind of terminology. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean that that is obviously a, a, a lot a lot different from what happened on Monday. Yes. But the but the memory of what happened to to Joe Cox in Bristol is still very much fresh in our memories and should remain so. I think political debate is one of the things that that made me interested in politics. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of my very best friends are Brexiteers, or at least are voted to leave, and I love nothing more than, than chatting to them and, and arguing in the nicest possible way with them. But I would never, and I disagree with them, but that's it. It doesn't yeah. mean that I don't like them, or I'm not going to be their friend, nope. or I can't sit down around a dinner table with them or share a pint with them. You know, one of my best buddies in journalism worked on the Leave campaign. Yeah. And we have very vigorous discussions about it, and then we'll talk and about then you football. Have a point. Yeah, <laughs> that is what that is what get, and that is what should happen in the House of Commons. And actually, people talk about the House of Commons being too rough and tumble. I don't think it is. Actually, I think it's fine. But that debate makes end decisions better. That's the point. Shouting football chants, a female MP is calling her a Nazi being intimidating as she's walking to do an interview on TV, which also is vital a vital part of the debate that's going on, is what Nazis do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, and these I, guys I, don't understand what National Socialism was or what fascism is, but those are the ones that are trying to stifle free speech, which is exactly what the Nazis did. I was then going to say, this is the defence that some of the more kind of extreme elements use, isn't it? It's freedom of speech, but abuse isn't the freedom of speech and neither is... Intimidation. I never thought I would sit here agreeing with Jacob Rees-Mogg, but he wrote a really good um, column in The Times, I think it was, uh-huh. about about this incident of him saying, you know, I'm completely at odds with Anna Zubri and her views, even though we're in the same party. It shows, you know, how different you can be in one party, but this is completely unacceptable. Yes, and, oh. and, quite, and, and Jacob and, he, and his poor son were subject to something that Absolutely. happened from the other side of the coin, from a mad lefty. Um, who in disgusting scenes, and we called we said the same them time, out on this very podcast about how disgusting that was. So, you know, we've been very even-handed with this. It's not just because Anna Subri is one of ours that we're sticking up for her. However, this is where we might differ, Jerry. Mm-hmm. We like a debate, don't Do we? we? <laughs> you fascist. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, snowflake. What, what should we do about it? Uh, so I do think there needs to be better protection outside... That's something MPs have been saying this week, isn't there? That that is one thing that I was surprised at that the police didn't intervene. Mm-hmm. And I know they're now saying that they're looking to see if any crime was committed. Um, but you know, I know of people who have been arrested for public order offences for um, peaceful protests. I thought you said peeing in the street then. Like well, I thought you'd well, heard about well, my, my court appearance. <laughs> we had you in the paper, didn't we? <laughs> I know it was only one p.m. But when you got to go. Uh, it's unfortunate I was just coming out of the town hall. <laughs> um, but, you know, people have been arrested for public order offences for a lot less, is what I'm saying. Um, so I do think the police need to kind of look at look at what they're, uh, what they're doing. Um, but it's difficult, isn't it? So because do you, you think do then, put yourself in the public eye. Do you think, then, that those protesters should be moved away from, from College Green? No. 
No, I don't. I think do they've absolutely think, got then, the right to protest. Do you think, then, that protesters should be arrested for calling MPs Nazis? Potentially. Yeah. I think that's hate speech, isn't it? <laughs> I do think it is. Well, I, I, I think that their behaviour was utterly despicable and utterly disgusting, but I don't think that they've committed a crime. And I think if we were to criminalise people shouting Nazi at people, then that is a slippery slope towards, again, cutting down on freedom of speech. Sure, but there's people shouting Nazi and there's people shouting Nazi. If, there's, if it's just you on the corner of the street shouting Nazi Peeing at against someone, the wall. And yeah, Nazi! <laughs> then, uh, then maybe that's No, I agree that every incident is different. But in this kind of situation where it was extremely intimidating and could have, in a drop of a hat, I feel, turned very violent and been very dangerous... So what I do case, think is that MPs need to be allowed to speak to journalists. Yes. And that and that shouldn't be hindered. I'm not talking about shouting off camera or or placards being waved and stuff. I haven't really got a problem I with that. I love a placard so in the background. But I think definitely that the police should be making sure that those MPs feel safe as they cross the road mm-hmm. in order to go and do that and come out of Parliament. I mean you know, we had a we had a, a policeman killed inside the estate. We had another yeah. intruder inside the estate very recently. People who work in Westminster are on edge, yeah, um, and and they do feel targeted, and that's not fair. Well, you know, honestly, we did an interview this morning, actually Thursday, saying she doesn't stand near the edge of the platform when she gets the tube anymore because she's scared someone's going to push her off. She wow. wears flat shoes so that she can run. She uses the side entrance to the House of Commons. That's not. A normal society. No, no, not, that's not how democracy should be run. No. So, remainer or lever, I think what we're saying is... Don't be a dick. Have your opinion, put it across as forcefully as you want, but please, please don't be a dick. Brexiteer of the Week. OK! Steve, it is your favourite time of the week again. Regale us with your Brexiteers of the week. Nicholas Ajula is number three. He's a new Malden-based psychic. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm big on psychics at the moment. I should have known. Uh, yeah, well, as, as, you, as, as you will no doubt have foreseen, Nicholas Ajula, new Malden-based psychic, he told the Daily Star that Brexit would end up being, quote, really positive. But then he added, with things as huge as Brexit, it's difficult as you can't really switch off a logical side of your brain. But I'm not seeing the end result as being positive, especially economically. I've been seeing a lot of visions of property crashes, so I think that could be linked. So Mm. really positive, but property crashes and it's not going to be that positive. Uh, Nicholas Adjula, in previous lives, uh, he claims to have been a deer... He claims to have been an Egyptian a queen, a like deer. An old deer. Yeah, no, no, like an actual oh. deer, a Bambi deer. Oh, wow. He claims to have been an Egyptian queen. He's been <laughs> a lion. And he's been I a, think he's lying. And he's been a teacher during the French Revolution, <laughs> mind you. And he also said, I don't follow politics very closely myself. Um, next up, a cockatoo. A cockatoo. A cockatoo, yeah. Well, exactly. A cockatoo. Do you know we were talking last week about Sajji Javid calling himself the Saj? And I'm just wondering, what if Matt, Matt Hancock starts getting in on the action and he starts telling people, just you wait to see what the cock's going to do here. 
Just wait since you see what the cock's coming up with. Um, anyway, Cockatoo. And Travel Lodge, the great hotel firm, yes. uh, have unveiled a list of things that have been left behind in Travel Lodge rooms and car parks uh, in 2018. Mm-hmm. New ice, Brand new ice cream van. Full size. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love to go around in an ice cream van, wouldn't you? Chest of semi-precious jewels. Semi-precious. Semi-precious jewels. <laughs> right. An amazing Technicolor dream coat. Right. A full-size replica of Meghan Markle's wedding dress. I yeah. left that behind. Yeah. A singing Elvis teddy bear. Yeah. And a five-foot teddy bear made entirely out of popcorn. Oh, and three butterfly-tailed fish named Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. And the woman who came back from them said that she was a clothes designer and she took her fish everywhere that she went with her because they inspired her clothing visions. It must be going well for her if she's staying in travel. Well, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it was Nicole Fari or, or uh, anyone like that. Anyway, one item left in Brighton Seafront Travel Lodge. I think I've stayed in Brighton Seafront yeah, Travel Lodge. Yeah, I think Lodge. I have as well. Um, it's down on the marina, isn't yeah. it? And um, and there's another, there was another hotel that down there as well. Um, anyway. Um, it's like Judith Chalmers has gone <laughs> down over the pond. <laughs> <It's those guys. laughs> as I stays down the majestic seafront. Um, and, uh, but yeah, left in a room, Brighton Seafront Travel Lodge, uh, blue-eyed cockatoo, and what was it called? Nigel. Brexit. Right. Brexit. How do we know it was called Brexit? Well, I presume they came came back back and went, and they went, what's my little cockatoo? Brexit the cockatoo. Brexit the cockatoo in Brighton. But maybe, you know, maybe they didn't. Maybe he just said, my name is Brexit. Maybe. Like that. Only um, in a cockatoo voice. I stayed in in quite quite a posh hotel. It was an independent hotel, and I I won't name it, but, um, and I went for breakfast. Yeah. And when I got back, my daughter, she hadn't been left in the room on her own, she was about two, was lying on the floor, you know, like kids do, like drawing or whatever. And I could see her flicking through, you know, a magazine. She seemed quite happy. So I sat in the bed to put the TV on, had a cup of coffee, and I gazed down as she was laying at the side of the bed. She was flicking through a porn magazine. Really? Underneath the bed was the biggest stash of porn you've ever seen. I was furious, as you can imagine. Grabbed all the porn, went down to the reception, <laughs> waving the porn above my head. Look what my daughter, who's two, has found under the bed. Yeah. Just as a coachload of old people came in through the front door. <laughs> this porn. You can imagine the scenes of chaos. It's like a Brian Rick's farce, isn't it? It was a quite. It was quite extraordinary. But my entire weekend stay, which was going to come to in excess of four hundred pounds, was quietly forgotten about. None of the bills needed to be paid. Tremendous. The best thing was that the bar bill, I'd stayed in the bar till about three o'clock buying everyone drinks, the yeah. bar bill was also forgotten because I was a bit worried about how I was going to get that past the missus. Marvellous. Yeah. But go. maybe when I found her porn stashed under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, who's the Brexiteer of the Week? But the Brexiteer of the Week is, well, I was actually on the subject of the cockatoo. I was going to say that if you, you know, if you wanted to hear tedious old bird repeating the same <laughs> phrases about Brexit over and over. <laughs> I think you could answer though. You could fill in the rest of that sexist joke, New European podcast listeners. Oh dear. Uh, we, I would like to apologise for yeah, my co-host. Yeah, Steve Angles is terrible. He does not believe that for a second. I do not. He's the most walk of walk I people. Am massively woke. The Brexiteer of the week though is Lowry Turner. Who used to, she used to be the host of DIY SOS. She did. Was she not? Was it? Was Knowles on that? Yes. Was it Nick Knowles and Larry Turner? Were the, they were the hosts, weren't they? People say I have a passing resemblance to Nick Knowles. To Nick Knowles. Can you? Um, 
Yeah, have you got an album coming out? I've got an album. Well, an album. You know, I'm in. Di- let's just say I'm in discussions. The love album. <laughs> Pour it. The love album. Out for Christmas. Wow. Uh, and uh, she's so I'd, I'd I've become more and more unaware of her recent work. Apparently now she is a celebrity nutritionist and hypnotherapist. I'm aware of this, um, which I wasn't aware yeah. of. But I and I also didn't know that she regularly. Pops up on um, Jeremy Vine on Channel Five, uh-huh. and he's a bit. You know, she's become slightly. She's a bit of a controversialist, isn't she? She's, she's trying of, that as well, is she? She's now? the acceptable face of Hopkins. I think right. is the is, uh, <laughs> is, is that, and she. And, uh, many people will have seen these this, this clip. Um, she came on. She's. They're always. They're always worried about something, aren't they? I'm, I'm quite worried about this, or annoyed about it, and it's usually. You know, it's usually something quite sensible, isn't it? She, what she's worried and annoyed about is people, uh, British people, applying for an Irish passport to avoid losing their rights to free movement and all of that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and she said that people who did that were very mercenary and it was all a bit grubby. Uh, and then a woman called Emma Collins phoned up to say that she was being forced to apply for Irish citizenship because her banking job has moved to Dublin and her husband's business is in uh, trouble because all of his EU workers are all going back to the EU because they don't like the, the climate. And uh, instead of saying, oh, that's terrible, maybe, you know, you've got every right to apply for Irish citizenship then, seeing as you're clearly the daughter of an Irish person or the granddaughter of an Irish person. Uh, Larry Turner said, well, I've been in my local bank recently and all the people behind the counter weren't British. Many bank jobs aren't held by British people anyway. It's not really much comfort that to Emma, who uh, who then spent much of the uh, subsequent bit of the call in tears. And a new landmark in the empathy stakes for Larry Turner, who in 2007 wrote an article in the Daily Mail which was headlined, I love my mixed race baby, but why does she feel so alien? So Larry Turner, the queen of empathy, is the Brexiteer of the week. Well, Larry, congratulations. And if you want to, I think Nick's quite busy at the moment, but I'm up for a bit of DIY SOS. Yeah, me um, too. I think me and Larry could restart that. A reboot. A reboot. No one had ever known it wasn't Nick. No, that's true. I'm a poor man's Nick Knowles. A poor man's Nick Knowles. Imagine like, that. Do you listeners. think the House Martins were a poor man's Smith? Very much so, yeah. The House Martins were good, weren't they? Well, I wouldn't say good. They were passable, but I prefer the, um, I prefer the, the beautiful sound of the House Martins. Also a good band, um, but is the, are the Beautiful South anyone's favourite band? That's, no, that's what I've always no. Thought. But if, the but if you go in on a car journey, favourite band, yeah, let us know. Then please let us know. If you're going on a car journey though, and you've got the best of the Beautiful South, and you've got a car full, everyone's going to be reasonably happy. With I the think. with the Beautiful South, whereas if you stick the Prodigy on, obviously old throbbing gristle on. Well, it's going to be that's div- for a drive on your it's own. It's going to be divisive, isn't it? Yeah. The TG, yeah. What should the listeners do right now, Steve? What are you laughing at? I'm just laughing. Go on. <laughs> what should the listener do right now, Steve? Leave us a lovely review on your podcatcher of choice and subscribe to us. Don't just turn up on a Friday when the podcast comes out and then just download it like that. Just subscribe and then you'll get it all the time. Um, you can join the New European uh, Readers Group on Facebook. You can just like the New European on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, you can. Uh, we put lots of good content up there. Tons of stuff. Um, loads of stuff. Uh, you can uh, follow the New European on Twitter at the New European. You can follow me on Twitter at Sanglesey S A N G L E S E Y. Or you can follow me at Porritz P O R R I T. 
That was the New European Podcast. It's over, Jerry. It's done. Why are you still here? Why have you come back? I ain't got anywhere to go. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us. You are part of a growing number of New European Podcast listeners, and we are delighted that you come along every week to listen to us. If you haven't already, go and buy the paper. It's another scorcher. It's £2.50. It's got a brilliant cover image. There's lots of politics. There's lots of Brexit, obviously. But there's also lots of arts and culture as well. We'll be back next week. Until then, be comforted by Mr Campbell's beautiful bagpipes. Here you go. Had a lot of prosecco. Yeah. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.